The word war criminal is not used so much anymore, in great part because the United States actually pulled out of the International Criminal Court that could convict people as war criminals. But the United States actually has one man in particular that I would unapologetically, unashamedly call a war criminal. Now, we could debate until the cows come home. Is George Bush a war criminal? Some people even say Barack Obama for his drone warfare programs is a war criminal. There's a man named Eddie Gallagher that is absolutely a war criminal. And this week he was hanging out with Donald Trump. I want to unpack and explain some of Eddie Gallagher's crimes. And then I want to close today's episode speaking to you about the despicable conditions in prisons all over Mississippi. Of course, in some ways you would expect that, but it's probably worse than you expect. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the Breakdown. The word war criminal, that phrase war criminal, is thrown around so loosely. And on some levels, I understand why. Like there are members of the American government who have overseen actions that have not just killed a few people, dozens of people, but thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people. And rightly so, people all over the world say, that those men and women are war criminals. And I understand it. I mean, there are right now several members of the Trump administration that people say are war criminals. I've heard the same thing about members of the Obama administration, members of uh, George Bush's administration. And I get it. And I'm not even saying that any of those people are wrong. I think the argument, though, is different than the one that I hope to make to you today. There is a man, a, a a former Navy SEAL named Eddie Gallagher that is absolutely a war criminal. I see him as one of the most violent, bigoted, despicable human beings in our country. And in so many ways, I see Eddie Gallagher as a sign of our times. He was a highly decorated Navy SEAL. And publicly, nobody was questioning his service until seven different members of his team, both supervisors that were above him and those that he led, did something that Navy SEALs never do. They voluntarily came forward to report his violence and abuse. And as you may have heard, and I hope that this name, Eddie Gallagher, uh, is a name that you remember because his his story will now be forever deeply intertwined with that of Donald Trump's. Seven different members of his team came forward to report that he shot and killed innocent people, elderly men, women, children, at will, all over Afghanistan, that he did it for sport, that he did it for fun, that he was regularly just determined to kill as many people as as he could 
And today, the New York Times has released several videos, and they have a new series that is coming out on Hulu, uh, a new episode from a series called Weekly on Hulu that shows not only for the first time many interviews, video interviews with the men who were a part of his team, but also shows some of the footage from some of the carnage from Eddie Gallagher. And I don't want you to watch it because you're a voyeur. Or, you know, it's, it's horrible, but I want you to see the interviews. I want you to see the raw emotion and anguish and pain as these men understand that they are violating the unspoken rule that Navy SEALs don't even report misconduct. They don't, even if it's the most egregious, outrageous misconduct. And I want you to see these men who have put themselves through hell to get where they are as they come forward to report murders, not just acts of war. And we could, you and I could debate right now, aren't, aren't regular acts of war murder. We could argue that. But I'm talking about a man who killed innocent men, women, and children indiscriminately, shot them and laughed. There was um, one Navy SEAL who came forward who said he was with Eddie Gallagher when a young girl in a, in a hijab, was in a flower hijab, was walking by. And for no reason at all, Eddie Gallagher literally, with a sniper rifle, just shot her in the stomach. She wasn't suspected for carrying bombs or being a member of some terrorist organization. She was just a girl and likely died as her friends pulled her away. The bullets in those sniper rifles are designed to cause as much carnage as humanly possible. They testified to this under oath. They testified that they had a young man who was emaciated in their custody and appeared to be sedated in some kind of way. And I don't understand why he was sedated. And he was only semi-conscious and several of the staffers there, several of the Navy SEALs who were serving with Eddie Gallagher said out of nowhere, he started stabbing the man in the neck, a 22-year-old young man, for nothing. He was literally just semi-conscious and just began stabbing him right there in front of everybody. And they couldn't handle it. And of course, they shouldn't handle it. And they reported him. And as you may know, Donald Trump not only pardoned Eddie Gallagher, but then went out of his way to restore him to his full position within the Navy SEALs. And it was so disgusting that the Secretary of the Navy, who admonished Donald Trump, again, remind you, who has never served in the military, the United States Secretary of the Navy resigned in disgust because he said he had admonished Donald Trump not to do that, but he did it anyway. And this past week over the holidays, Eddie Gallagher has been right there in Mar-a-Lago, Trump's Florida resort, at a holiday party with the Trump family. 
this is this is where we are. Donald Trump is well aware, keenly aware of who Eddie Gallagher is. But he's doing this on purpose in great part because Eddie Gallagher is a symbol for what it means to be publicly accused by reputable people and get away with it. Of course, of course, Donald Trump would love Eddie Gallagher because in so many ways, Donald Trump is Eddie Gallagher. He himself, Trump himself, is someone who has been publicly accused now by dozens of women of sexual harassment and sexual assault. And yet here he is getting away with it. So, of course, Donald Trump identifies with someone like Eddie Gallagher, but it's deeper than that. This is a man who over and over again, his colleagues testified, was an open bigot, an open Islamophobe. And so is Donald Trump. He identifies with this. And this has not been a passive campaign. He brags about Eddie Gallagher at campaign events. Again, he welcomes him into his resort and to his home goes against the advice and wishes of career officials in the Navy and attempts to restore Eddie Gallagher into some public figure. But I need you to understand that this is, this is perhaps I think one of the greatest indicators of who Donald Trump really is. He has invested hundreds of hours, staff hours from his team, the White House and others to make this happen. And it's, it's become a mission for Donald Trump. And he also understands that his base, which is rife with white supremacy and bigotry and Islamophobia and violence, that his base loves it in great part because they don't see the men, women and children that Eddie Gallagher slaughtered, they don't see them as fully human. And so they don't see this pardon as a problem. They don't see it as, as an issue. Listen, I have a quick word from one of our sponsors, but I want to come back and talk to you about the horrible conditions in prisons all over Mississippi and give you some ideas on what we can do about it. It's almost January of 2020, and if you think back over all types of science fiction, the year 2020 shows up all over the place, and a lot of times people thought that uh, we would be like working or living on Mars, that we would be uh, flying in our cars, that we would be uh, teleporting to and from locations, and the truth is we always get the future wrong, which is why I need all of you to get your life insurance right. That's where Policy Genius can help. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. Listen, in just a few minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find the very best price on life insurance. You can save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. And listen, I've been through this before. Life insurance 
can be so tedious and Policy Genius helps you with so much of that. They don't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance. They do so many things well. So listen, if your science fiction dreams for 2020 still haven't become science fact, don't get discouraged. Get life insurance. It takes just a few minutes to find your best price. You can apply right now at policygenius.com. Policy Genius will always get the future wrong, but you can get your life insurance right. Check it out, everybody. The break, the, the break, the, 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 the breakdown. I know on today's episode, I've had to drop several heavy things with you, but I need to discuss horrible, horrible prison conditions in Mississippi with you. And here's the thing, this story and stories about conditions in prison in general rarely make the news because we don't see them. And that's the problem, even with reforming conditions in jails and prisons, even just addressing these issues at all, because in some ways they're out of sight, out of mind. But right now, Mississippi has the third highest incarceration rate in the nation. And that itself is a horrific injustice. It's driven by extreme sentencing laws that are disproportionately applied to black men. But this fact also matters because Mississippi prisons are extraordinarily deadly. Last year, more than 75 different people died in Mississippi DOC custody, 16 in the month of August alone. Deaths have spiked again in 2019. And families of those who died have struggled to get answers. And they always do. I work with families all over the country who are struggling to get the most basic information about their loved ones who died there in the prison. Prison officials told 33-year-old Nicole Rathman's parents that Nicole died of an aneurysm. A doctor at the hospital said that Rathman's aneurysm was a result of the meth that she was using while she was detained at Central Mississippi Correctional Facility. She was an addict. And her father understood now that the state did nothing to help her. Lucius Bolton, who had late-stage stomach cancer, called his mother, Alma Dunning, to tell her that he was in terrible pain and needed help. And four days later, a prison official called to say that Bolton had been taken to an outside hospital, but the official refused to say where he was or to let Bolton call his mother. Despite Dunning's pleas, prison officials would not allow her any contact with her son. Then on August 15th of 2018, a chaplain called his mother to say that Bolton probably wouldn't survive the night and that Dunning should come to see him soon. 20 minutes after he made that call, as she was frantically searching for flights from her home in Houston to go see her son in Mississippi, the chaplain called back to say that he was dead. And as the death toll and questions mounted last year, Correction Commissioner Patricia Hall asked the FBI and the Mississippi Department of Public Safety to help her investigate the deaths. Republican Governor Phil Bryant asked, as officials always do, ask for patience from the bereaved families while the agencies carried out their work. 
But things appear to be getting worse, significantly worse. After local reporting exposed widespread corruption in the Mississippi correctional system in 2014, those same journalists this year reported hearing from incarcerated people and their families that conditions have deteriorated even further. These individuals report, quote, gangs and horrible conditions, delayed medical care, corruption, prisons without heat, without air, unchecked violence, lockdowns that have kept inmates behind bars for months and have blocked them from communicating with their families. All of that was according to investigative reporter Jerry Mitchell, who's done an amazing job there in Mississippi. In May of this year, leaked photos from the Mississippi State Penitentiary at Parchman, a horrible place, revealed, quote, showers with peeling walls and stained floors, sparse food trays, emaciated men slumped over their bunks and lying on mattresses on the floor. The evidence prompted the group FAM, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, to send a letter to the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division demanding an investigation into, quote, unsafe conditions, violence, weapons, and understaffing at the prison there in Parchment. Inspections, rather, by state health officials in June of this year found hundreds of environmental and sanitation deficiencies at the prison, including more than 400 cells with flooding and leaks, broken plumbing fixtures, lack of lights and missing mattresses and pillows. There was also exposed wiring and standing raw sewage, black mold and mildew, as well as inoperable showers and ice machines, according to local reporters right there in the city. It's disgusting. It's awful. Now, many people are dying again all over Mississippi in these prisons in those horrific, inhumane conditions. More staffing and resources is not going to fix the incarceration crisis. Who can fix it? Let me tell you. State legislators can reform the extra harsh sentencing laws that they have all over Mississippi, some of the worst in the country. Governor-elect Tate Reeves can commute the sentences for people who, are, who have been incarcerated under this brutal system. And here's the thing. If you are listening to this and you are in Mississippi or you know people in Mississippi, this issue is going to get bigger and bigger. I'm going to throw my weight behind it as well. But if you're in Mississippi or know people there, encourage them to call their lawmakers and ask them to begin addressing this problem at its root, to change the laws and ask them to support the incoming governor in freeing people from these excessively punitive conditions. Break it down. Listen, I've got to run. I just want to send a quick shout out to our team, Willis and Lissandra, for their hard work, not just on this episode, but on over 150 episodes from the course of this past year. I'm so grateful for their hard work and for each of you who are listening. Take care, everybody.